Three. I saw Good Charlotte do that once. You what? Good Charlotte. When they went to go do their mic check, they said, check, baby, check, baby, one, two, three. And now every time <laughs> I think about that. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway, we've been rolling for the last, like, 15 seconds, so. Oh, that's embarrassing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Creepy Ouija Show, episode eight. My name is Leash. And my name is Taylor. I just realized that I never, like, uh, told anybody why we refer to me as Leash on the internet, but we call me Alicia here. I don't like my name very much, and it brings me joy in my cold little heart when people call me Leash. So you can call me either, but I prefer the other. Anyway. <clears throat> I definitely call her both, so she yeah. doesn't hate me yet. No, no, no. All right, so um, we're making some improvements now that we're like eight episodes in. Um, Taylor's friend, do you want to tell them? Yeah, so my friend Michaela is going to school for something with social media marketing or something, and she just gave us some tips to, like, improve social media and, like, be more interactive and stuff like that, so we're definitely going to be stepping up our Yeah, game. we are. We, I mean, like, I think we're both kind of really bad at social media. We are. Especially Instagram, like... <laughs> If you go to my Instagram, it's literally just pictures of myself that I have taken. I think the last time I posted anything on my Instagram was, like, August. Yeah, so we're definitely upping our game. Um, We did a little poll yesterday about, like, what's your favorite episode so far? And, like, so many people answered it. Like, I couldn't believe it. And it was really fun to, like, make all the, like, uh, answers and stuff like that. So I am giving Alicia full credit for that because she made all those little edits and all those like gifts and everything, and it was just the coolest thing. I was dying it looking took at me all a of really them. Long time. Um, my favorite one was the Alan Rickman one. Uh, that was actually <laughs> Annie's uh, little write-in. So, and Annie actually made our cover art. So you can look at her Instagram. It's Spring Groove, and it's got three O's. Very talented. She's so one talented. of my best friends for my whole life, basically. But yeah, she wrote that in, and I, as soon as I read Alan's, I was like, oh my god, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> so I made that beautiful masterpiece, and I posted it on our Instagram. If you want to go look, I think it's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. All right. Well, I think that's it for updates. So, uh, are you ready to go? I'm ready if you're ready. All right. So this week I'm doing a cold case. And I am doing the story of Patricia Webb, which I'm sure no one has heard of. I haven't, no. Because thanks, Reddit. Thanks, Tony, for sending me the, the Reddit link. <laughs> thanks, Tony. So Patricia, the story of Patricia Webb, it's like, um... It's Nebraska's oldest cold case. And I think, like, this year uh, is the 46th year that it hasn't been solved. So that's a really long time. It's almost 50 years. Yeah. All right. So Patricia was born on July 2nd, 1949 in Burnwell, Kanawha County, West Virginia. Um, when she was four, her mom passed away. So her uncle, her dad's brother... Uh, and his wife ended up adopting her and so after they adopted her she relocated to south central lincoln nebraska she grew up on a little white ranch with her new parents Um, she was described as a very considerate loving responsible young lady and a lot of people considered her like beautiful and popular and outgoing she was really athletic um she loved to roller skate so much that she often took her parents to the roller 
to the roller rink with her, which I think is just like so adorable. I wish roller rinks were like still a thing. I I mean, I went roller skating last year around Christmas time with like my grandpa and he was he was zooming around me. I was having a really That's hard time. Awesome. I was like clinging on to my sister <laughs> and I like could barely get off of the rail and he's just like going around he's like doing tricks i'm like who are you that's so cute that's so wholesome i know it was precious and very frustrating (laughs) (laughs) but anyway so yeah super cute that patricia roller skated so much i mean it was really popular in that time but she was so good at it that in july of 1967 she won the title of miss nebraska at the north central regional amateur roller skating championship in kansas city it's a mouthful. <laughs> but, like, really cute. So she actually went on to win a silver bar representing Nebraska at the national championships in Lincoln. But that was, like, kind of the highlight of her life, unfortunately. Um, she did end up graduating from Southeast High School in 1968. And then she got married. Th- but within the year, her and her husband separated. After they officially got divorced in April 1970, uh, she really struggled in deciding on what she wanted to do with her life. She got accepted at the University of Nebraska, but ended up dropping out twice before finally deciding that college life wasn't for her. I heavily relate to that. I also dropped out of college twice. (laughs) That math class really got me. You know, I'm like good at math. I'm really good at math. I'm really good at math, but... Math is the reason that I dropped out. So it's funny because I dropped out twice too, and both of mine were for English. Really, I hate English. I'm I was actually really good at it, but I hate writing papers, which is ironic because that's all I do now. I was literally just about to say that's so funny because that's what you do now, (laughs) right? But yeah, I get it. I get it, sis. Yeah, we feel you, girl. So. A couple of years later, she ended up getting a job at a newer business in town. Um, it wasn't clear what the name of this place was, but it was referred to as the Adult Cinema and Bookstore. Obviously, it's a place where you can go buy pornography and watch movies and buy paraphernalia. And this was like... A relatively new idea in the 70s was like being able to go to a store and buy your pornography and take it home and let's just say that like the town wasn't very happy about the adult book and bookstore and cinema opening um and they all started like basically talking shit about it spreading rumors and a lot of people started saying that the store was owned by the mafia and it was rampant with gambling, drugs, and prostitution. So it was a little bit worrisome that, like, sweet, beautiful little Patricia was, like, working there. Um, but she seemed to like it. I mean, it was new and it was fun and it was stable. But it wasn't stable for very long. <laughs> Because the night of April 18th, 1974, things went very, very wrong. And by that, I mean Patricia went missing from work. Of course she did. So on the morning of April 19th, at the beginning of the next shift, it was clear very quickly that something wasn't right. And the owner 
came to open up shop and he noticed that the front door had been left unlocked all night and then when he looked further he found out that there was 51 bondage themed adult magazines a calculator and 30 dollars all missing it doesn't sound like 30 dollars is a lot like most people wouldn't bat an eye but since it was you know 1974 yeah it was 1974 um $30 actually was about $160 today. That's insane how much like that little amount of time can make a difference. I know. Also, don't even get me started on inflation, people. It fucking pisses me off. Anyway, so since like it's basically $160 and considering it's a one person per shift kind of store, I can imagine that, you know, that was a good portion of what was in the register, if not like all of what was in the register. So yeah. definitely very like eye-opening I guess like it matters so upon discovering this uh Patricia was definitely like the main person of interest pertaining to the theft as she was the only person working that night but it wasn't long before they realized it wasn't just the bondage magazines and the cash and the calculator missing like they were all like oh no Patricia's also missing so the case veered pretty quickly from being like just petty theft to a disappearance, but they ended up finding Patricia two days later. So on this, uh, the afternoon of Saturday, April 20th, 1974, a man named Oscar Fien was out doing some errands. He stopped at one of his vacant properties that was like kind of like a ranch and he kept some cattle there. Uh, he started like moving the herd around in preparation for breakfast and he went to go load up some hay and he noticed something blue sticking out of the bottom of a haystack and he was like what like first of all no one should be here this property has been vacant for quite a while and he definitely didn't leave anything blue underneath a haystack um so he he inspected further and it wasn't just something blue poking out it was a human thigh (gasps) yes so just just a thigh or like a whole body so it was like part of a jacket and then her thigh and i think the rest of her leg had been covered up but like they just kind of like left her thigh on accident um (gasps) yes so I mean, he pulled at the loose hay, and then finally, it was a whole body. So, it was the body of Patricia, and it was ridden with bullet holes. She had tape over her mouth, and she was nude except for a blue jacket. So, now it's very clear that this wasn't just a disappearance, but it was a homicide. But everyone was confused. Like, why why Patricia? You know? She's just this, like, young girl working at you know an adult (laughs) store but like uh okay so i'll get into the details here so the police began their investigation and there were some key details that they focused on first they discovered a cord leading to an extension from a payphone that had been cut outside of patricia's work insinuating that this was premeditated whether it was initially supposed to be a robbery or truly an abduction um whoever did it didn't want Patricia trying to call the police so it was planned the second was the blue jacket that Patricia was found in 
So this wasn't just any blue jacket, and it definitely wasn't Patricia's. This uh, jacket was dark blue. It was medium weight, waist length. It was made of cotton with bright yellow quilted lining and a metal ring in the zipper pull tab. This jacket was one of 1,076 purchased by a local feed mill in 1968, and it was only one of a 143 in the size extra large and these jackets were given only to loyal customers and some were sold to employees so you would think that would be a a big clue so the next key focus in their investigation was the way that patricia had died so she was found naked and had been taken from a pornographic centered store but her murder actually wasn't sexual. There were no signs of sexual assault or trauma on her body, and she had not been mutilated in any way. But since she had been found with tape over her mouth, she was shot six times in the head, four times in the body, with two different caliber weapons. Uh, Police uh, believe that she was shot, most likely execution style. That's like... A crime of passion like who shoots somebody in the head four times i i don't know and then multiple times elsewhere like I, that's just overkill exactly yes and they did say that so they looked at the bullet holes in her body and they said i don't know dick about guns so <laughs> i'm just gonna do my best to like make these words make sense so her body had 25 caliber pistol and 22 caliber bullet wounds um and the investigators believe that the 22s were fired from a rifle and the 25s were from a semi-automatic handgun if that means anything to anyone um but yeah so she was shot like that by two people obviously unless one person's holding a rifle and a handgun you know which is very unlikely and not only was she shot you know with two different kinds of weapons but upon like examining her body they noticed that most of her blood was not there so that means that she likely was not shot there Mm -hmm. she was shot somewhere else and left long enough for her blood to drain and then moved right and they even said it appeared as if they had shot her to kill her waited for a while and then shot her again like after she had died I don't know if that was, like, to make blood drain faster or if they're just, like, really evil people. Sounds like both to me. Right. But really sad and fucked up and scary. So this is where people speculate, like, mostly – words are hard for me. <laughs> this is why people think – that Patricia herself was taken and it wasn't just like a random act. So Patricia had been working as a narcotics informant with the Nebraska State Patrol since 1973. So it had only been a year, but she had set up between 60 and 70 undercover drug buys that led to the arrests and convictions of more than two dozen people. Shit. 
Yes. So she's a snitch. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it only takes one person to wrong and that costs you your life. Right. You know. Also, I'm watching the show Good Girls right now. Have you seen it? Mm -mm. Oh, my God. Okay. So it's about like these three moms basically that like get tied up with like money laundering and they work with a gang. And just like from watching like stuff like stuff about gangs and i'm like i would never fucking cross anyone doing anything with drugs that's what i'm turning my fucking head do whatever you want i didn't see shit that shit is scary so patricia had stopped her undercover work earlier that year but she had been wanting to start again but the the police officers or the um nebraska state patrol wouldn't let her because she owed like four thousand dollars to finance companies and they were like we can't like have you out here owing a bunch of money and then like you know catching criminals for some reason i don't really understand how the two were related but they made that rule so despite not being a part of the team anymore patricia was actually scheduled to show up in court to testify on a case on the 19th and she was abducted the night of the 18th. Oh. So I'm thinking that whoever was in court that next day was part of some, maybe the mafia, maybe a gang, maybe who knows. But that was the person I feel like they should have looked at and, like, right. investigated. But I didn't find anything on them, like, saying who was supposed to be in court the next day or anything related to them. But, like, that's that's where I would have started. Right. You know? Dude, so side note real quick. One of my friends a couple months ago was like, dude, he was going through some stuff at work and he's like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, if something happens to me and I go missing or anything, like, it's the Russian mafia. <gasps> what? And I'm like, what? Why? I'm like, are you fucking with me right now? And he's like, no, I'm so serious. Because he's like, notoriously just like, bullshits people all the time. Oh. And I'm like, are you fucking with me right now? And he's like, no, I'm so serious. If something happens to me, it's the Russian mafia. And I'm like, that is terrible. What did you do? Russia is so far away from here. How do you I even know. get involved with I don't Russian know, mafia? but he, he's a sketchy guy. Love him to death, but he's sketch. Oh my god, I hope he's okay. He's fine. I just saw him the other day. Oh. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so... Those were all the key points that the uh, investigators were, like, kind of focusing on and, like, trying to, like, put together maybe what had happened. Um, So, obviously, their first thought before having all of the details was that some pervert had come into the store to attack a beautiful young lady that he had seen working before. No, she's working late at night alone. But that was ruled out very quickly when they did the autopsy and there was no sexual trauma on her body. Uh, so then they were thinking about the theft that had occurred in addition to her abduction. And it was speculated that since the doors had been left unlocked and the store was left unattended and they took her during business hours, customers were probably in the store and still coming into the store. And there was no one around to like, check them out or to stop them so it's likely that most of the theft just occurred from like normal customers right i mean like if you're in a store and you're a shitty person and you see that like no one's there like what's stopping you from taking 51 bondage magazines right (laughs) or 30 (laughs) dollars so yeah it was it was 
most likely unrelated to Patricia's actual abduction, but if it was, it was probably just, like, a ploy to throw the police off. So then they considered the tape across Patricia's mouth and the execution-style shots at her body, and it was speculated that she may have been abducted and killed for her work as a drug informant, which is what I think. It's the only thing that makes sense. Right. So the police continued their investigation, and they noted that there were some similarities in another fatal shooting that had taken place a year prior. So police looked into, or police looked for a possible connection in the case of Marianne Mitzner, who was also an undercover drug informant that had been shot in the head three times and was left bound and gagged. And while there's some differences in MO there, it's similar enough that it was, like, worth looking into. While they were doing all of that, witnesses actually came forward to report that they had seen a young woman leaving the store with a man around 1 a.m. on April 18th. Uh, The two were seen getting into a large, older car, something boxy like a Buick or a Cadillac, and they said that there might have been another person inside the car. So after that, they drew up a composite sketch, and some sources reported that it was drawn up from a description of the man that was uh, a man that was in the store that night, but it's unclear if it was the man that had been seen taking her from the store. Every source had something different about the composite sketch, so I kind of just, like... I gotta say, like, I don't know how they can come up with composite sketches. Like, I'm looking at you right now, and I would not know how to describe your face. Dude, me either. Like... Like, at all. I don't... I can't even remember people's eye colors. Like, sometimes I'm like, what color eyes does my mom have? Oh, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) And my sister's, like... I don't know. I don't know. I could not describe, like, facial features. Like, I don't know. Dude, me either. And it blows my mind that sometimes they're so accurate. I know. I guess, like, people are professionals at things for a reason. Right. But still. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the composite sketch was drawn up. Unclear if it was somebody that was just in the store that night or if it was the the person seen taking her from the store. Um, but regardless, the composite sketch that they drew closely resembled the man who had been spotted in... It closely resembled a man that had been spotted in... Marianne Mitzner's coin shop the same day that Patricia was missing. Was that confusing? Kind of. Okay. So they drew up this composite sketch, and Marianne Mitzner had been shot a year before. Okay. But ironically, or coincidentally enough, the man that they drew up in the sketch had been seen in Marianne's coin shop the day that Patricia went missing. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. No, that makes sense now. I just needed you to break it down for me like I was five. Breaking it fucking down. So, uh, with this, the police developed two strong suspects. One that accurately matched the description of a man, of the man witnesses claim they saw getting into the car. And then, based on that, um, the other suspect was his partner uh, and possibly the man who had been waiting in the car. Uh, so they were both named suspects, but unfortunately, the police couldn't definitively connect them to Patricia's murder, Patricia's, <laughs> Patricia's murder, um, and so nothing ever happened with them. So with it being the 70s and technology not being nearly what it is today, 
they had no solid evidence besides the jacket and like the bullet holes um and all of that came up as a dead end because they never found the weapons used to kill her and they couldn't link the jacket to anyone which is so crazy because like there's such a only small so many. yeah police actually ended up like putting out like a like they asked the public like do you know anybody that had this jacket that no longer wears it but right. like no one ever came forward they did end up finding her purse about a mile and a half from where they found her body but there were no clues in that either also i'm surprised that she like had her purse if like yeah. it was like an abduction maybe they just took it um i don't know if she grabbed it but weird and you know they didn't find anything with that either right so <laughs> according to dark matter 69.blogspot.com <laughs> uh, a very credible source <laughs> the fact that it's 69 is just so funny to me anyway <laughs> according to dark matter 69.blogspot.com serial killer otis elwood tool do you know who that is? The name sounds very familiar, but I don't know off the top of my head. Same. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Otis uh, became a prime suspect in Patricia's case at one point, but nothing ever panned out with him before he died of cirrhosis in 1996. And it was also speculated that the composite sketch from before looked like the man who came to be convicted of Marion Mitzner's murder, Wesley Peary, who passed of a heart attack in 1988. So Shame. yeah, so the composite ske- sketch was like maybe this guy Wesley, who ended up killing Marianne, but was seen in her coin shop the day that Patricia went missing. I feel like that that like meme of the math lady. Oh, I know. Just like, <laughs> like what's happening? Like I mean, I I did the research on this case and I still fully don't understand it, which I guess is why it's been a mystery for like almost fifty years. Right. There's just a lot of, like, other, like, links and pieces to it. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. So, um, Lincoln Police Sergeant Larry Barksdale was the guy tasked with the investigation uh, in the early 1990s. Um, He claims that his team had investigated, reinvestigated, and reinvestigated it, but still can't seem to break it. The Lincoln Police, the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office, the Nebraska State Patrol, and the FBI logged around 15,000 man hours during their first year alone, and they even turned to consulting clairvoyance at one point. Wow. Yeah, they were, like, desperate. And, like, I've heard of, like, cases where clairvoyants come forward and they're like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. But, like, this time they were like, please, anyone, help us. So, as recently as 2007 to 2009, Barksdale had relaunched another investigation into Patricia's case, this time using more developed modern methods to hopefully find something. Mm -hmm. But they went back through all of the files, retested old evidence, searched for prints again, and ultimately came up with nothing new. And Barksdale ended up retiring in 2012, and the case remains open to this day. Damn. Yeah very sad that is sad it's too bad if we're gonna take anything from this story here today don't be a fucking snitch don't be a snitch that was really insensitive of me to say (laughs) (laughs) also true very true so 
<laughs> she was, you know, working at the adult pornography store. Uh-huh. So, you know how, like, Family Video has, like, their adult section? Yes. I can't believe that. Dude, I know. So, <laughs> I, I was at Family Video one time. This is, like, years ago. And I was, like, standing in line, and there was a guy ahead of me. And I could, like, see what was on, like, the front of the disc. Oh, no. he was, like, cashing out. And it was totally porn. Oh, no. And the, <laughs> the poor cashier, it was this girl, probably, like, my age. Oh, no. And she, like hands him his videos and is like have a good night and he like raises them in the air and he's like i'm gonna try to and i'm like (gasps) mortifying also kind of hilarious now that like we're old enough to understand the humor but oh i understood it then too i was like i was probably like 19 or 20 oh okay i was like thinking you were like little no i was like 19 (laughs) or 20 and i just look at this girl like wide-eyed and she looks at me and i'm like how do they do you need like a license to sell pornography because like i feel like family video you kinky dog it's so funny because i totally didn't even know that they had an adult section until i was like i don't know 18 i i feel like i knew from a very young age because my mother was like don't go over there i didn't even like, <laughs> don't go behind the curtain <laughs> i didn't even know like where to like even when i found out about it, i'm like well, how the hell do you get back there like not that i was trying to not trying it's like to a rent porn a ramp and a i know it's like behind a like curtain. a wall and yeah yeah very secretive also yeah. the the like the pride or the lack of i don't know i'm not knocking anybody who like rents porn but like it's free to online walk in, yeah to walk into a store go into that section browse maybe there's other people around and then walk out with it hand it to someone pay them and then leave oh my god i can't even imagine like no. the balls the, the nerve, the audacity, the balls. <clears throat> okay, enough about that. <laughs> it's your turn. So, I am doing a haunted, haunting something. Woo! I'm very excited about this. This one's actually super interesting. Um, I got real excited because you said that your girl in the in your story was from West Virginia, and this is actually in West Virginia. Oh my god. So we are talking about the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Oh, shit! In West Virginia. Never heard of it. So. Maybe. I don't think I have either, but then, like, when I was going through it, I feel like I might have heard it on... I feel like we've listened to, like, so many episodes of, like, so many different things, like, shows, podcasts, like, we've probably heard of everything, but... I'm I'm sure I have heard this before. I'm ready. Anyway, so... The Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum opened in 1863. This building took, like, 30 years to completely build. Damn. It's huge. It's a big bitch. Yeah, it's it's huge. Ginormous. And it's beautiful, too. Ooh. The building is beautiful. Maybe we should post a picture of it on our Instagram. I will. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll send one to you, because you're, yeah, you're, you're in charge of social media now. <laughs> um, so... The asylum was supposed to be a peaceful, self-sufficient living community for people suffering with mental illness. It was supposed to be kind of like the first of its kind, because, I mean, I'm sure as you know, like, insane asylums and, like, mental Mm -hmm. hospitals and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, the 1800s, so. they did not treat people very well there. Oh, man. Thought I heard something. 
Um, so just a little fun fact about this property. The entire property is 666 acres. Holy shit! And there are 13 buildings. Oh my god! So if that doesn't what? scream... Like also thirteen buildings. Like you should have just built one more. On six hundred and sixty six acres. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, damn. they're asking for it at this point. Oh, that is so crazy. So the building was the brainchild of Thomas Story Kirkbird. Um he was a doctor and crusader for the mentally ill. He believed in more humane treatments and Okay. You know, stuff like that than any other asylum during that time and he emphasized the importance of light and fresh air um suggesting oh. that asylums be built as long halls with 12 foot ceilings plenty of window windows <laughs> plenty of windows and ventilation that allowed for cross breezes oh so it sounds sweet. like he genuinely like wanted the Cared. best for these people mm -hmm. um he also emphasized freedom um, mental patients, he felt, should be allowed to roam as much as possible and find stimulation for their minds. They would behave better. Um, sorry. They would behave better um, if given more control over their own lives. So, like, this that's guy was, so you know. progressive. I know. That's what I'm saying, especially for this time. Stan. Uh, so, the asylum was able to comfortably house 250 patients, and each of them would have their own rooms. Hell, yeah. yeah. Like, this is, like sick yeah um best case scenario right so they actually had skilled stonemasons brought in from germany and ireland to contribute to the architecture um which featured wow. wide open windows which gave patients access to natural light and fresh air they really did it they That's did so sweet. they they it sounds like they genuinely tried yeah oh no so, <laughs> oh no <laughs> i don't like the way you said that <laughs> The grounds had a working farm, um, a dairy, waterworks, gas well, and a cemetery. Nice. Um, oh. So, like I said, they were trying to be self-sufficient. But the cemetery, it wasn't like a... People were bound to die there. Like, True. So, this was, this was back when, like, you got sick of a family member. You could just, oh, they're crazy, and they'd take them in. Right, so, like, yeah. They, people spent their entire lives there. Yeah. At least they had nice windows. Yeah. Um, he really wanted patients to feel at home, feel safe and well cared for. And then in 1881, it went south. Or it started to go south. Um, due to an increase in mental health diagnos diagnoses, diagnoses, diagnoses. diagnoses. <laughs> and the stigma surrounding mental health, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum found its tranquil facilities overrun housing almost 500 more patients than intended oh no so they had about 750 patients so they were like sharing rooms now yes okay um the hospital couldn't keep up conditions began to decline patients were crammed together with sometimes four or five to a room intended for one <gasps> no um the farm and dairy on the compound originally designed to provide for 300 were unable to meet the increased demand that came with overcrowding and patients began to suffer from malnutrition which only made the mental health issues worse I'm like why can't they just like turn people away you well, know it doesn't make any sense in some of the things that i watched it sounds like people would literally just like tuck and roll their relatives out of the car like Damn. have a good life 
That's so cold. I know. It's very sad. So, in 1938, the asylum was six times over capacity. Um, The patients inside were running wild, and orderlies, outnumbered, struggled to regain control. Jeez. And then, at its peak in the 1950s, the hospital was holding 2,600 patients, which is more than 10 times the number. So, wait, how much was it originally supposed to hold? Like, 500? 250. Holy shit. And it now had 2,600 so um, more than 10 times. That is literally insane. I know. Um, to expose the terrible conditions, the Charleston Gazette attempted to send in a crew to investigate the inner workings of the asylum. Uh-huh. And when they got there, patients were <laughs> sleeping on the floor and in freezing rooms due to a lack of furniture and heat. Um, the overcrowding had resulted in overworked staff and a decreased emphasis on sanitation. Mm. So it was pretty gross in there. Yeah, I bet there was like poop and pee everywhere. <laughs> yeah, amongst other things. Oh, no. Um, the once bright, clear windows were covered with grime, darkening, and making it even colder in there. Um, the wallpaper was peeling from decay, and where it hadn't disintegrated on its own, the patients had torn it off, like, in a panic. Oh, my God. And I'm sure that being in, like, an environment like that just makes everybody panic so much more. Oh, yeah. So, the patients whom or <laughs> The patients whom the orderlies deemed, quote-unquote, unable to be controlled had been locked in cages and open spaces in an attempt to make more bedrooms available for the less worrisome patients. That's not a solution. No. no. Um, These patients would sit in their own blood and excrement and basically just sit there and rot. Ew. Oh, the infections. I know. Um, The asylum had also become a training ground for experimental lobotomies. Um, Walter Freeman, he was a famous surgeon and lobotomy advocate, had started working there. No. No. Um, No. In the course of his lifetime, he had performed about 4,000 lobotomies, leaving sometimes perfectly healthy patients with lasting physical and cognitive damage. Oh, my God. Okay. We've both been tested for coronavirus. That is as close to a lobotomy as I ever want to fucking get. That shit hurted. And... Oh, my God. Imagine just, like, having a lobotomy done on you and, like, no anesthetic and, like, oh, freaking hell. <laughs> so, do you know what the ice pick method is? Yes. So, I'm going to tell you guys, for those who don't know. I need a refresher. Um, okay, yes. The ice pick method involved slipping a thin pointed rod, normally an ice pick, into the patient's eye socket and using a hammer to force it to sever the connective tissue in the brain's prefrontal cortex. And this resulted in a number of deaths. Obviously, you're getting stabbed in the brain. Jesus Christ. Uh, They were also known to perform electric shock therapy. It's like the most docile of all of them. (laughs) I would uh-huh. so much rather be fucking electrocuted than, like, ice-picked in the fucking eye. I don't want either of them. I mean, I don't want either either. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll take it over a lobotomy. Oh, yeah. I'm sweating. Okay, keep going. 
So by the time the asylum closed, only one part of its grounds had been expanded to accommodate the new demand, which was the cemetery. <laughs> of course. Um, they don't have to build for that. They just dig holes. Right. So wait, I'm sorry. There's 13 buildings. And like... I think that's including like the farm, uh, the, the dairy, the, the other Gotcha. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. Noted. So it's not like a living space. Right. Um, the expose published by the Gazette spurred a movement to close down the hospital, but it wasn't until 1994. <gasps> That's the year I was born. I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> After more than 100 years of squalor, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum closed its doors forever. Oh my God, that was only 26 years ago. Yeah, I wasn't even alive yet. I wasn't going to be alive for two more years. God, you're lucky that you never saw the day. Honestly, I probably never did either. I was born in September. (laughs) (laughs) My one-month-old eyes. I was born the... Almost the last day of December, so I yeah. I missed all of 1996 too. So our little Capricorn cutie, I know <laughs> it's coming up. Almost a month to the day, actually. If you guys want to wish Taylor a happy birthday, you can follow our Instagram at creepywoodypond.com. You sorry, anyway. it'll be the best birthday present ever. Yes. So now the once ornate building intended for healing, but destined for destruction. Dun dun dun. Ah. It's abandoned. Um, as if the patients simply vanish into thin air, rooms are still filled with medical equipment and <gasps> decrepit furniture and wheelchairs still sit in the hallways. Do you think that they all just like collectively were like, let's go live in the woods? Maybe they're the Roanoke people. Just kidding. That's completely unrelated and Dude. in a different part of the country. <laughs> don't, don't talk about Roanoke. I'm going to cover it one day. Okay. I'm telling you that Noted. now so you don't. I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. Um, Actually, I don't, I mean, I don't think I really know that much about Roanoke, besides, like, American Horror Story. I didn't watch that season. <laughs> it was terrifying. I heard it was, and I thought about watching it, but, I don't know. American sh- Horror Story, American Horror Story is hit or miss for me. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna, like, really derail this right now. Speaking of watching things, I came home from work today, and Taylor was watching <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> I stopped what I was doing, and I just, like, looked like a deer in headlights, except I wasn't staring at anything, and I just listened. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I've never watched Harry Potter. Oh, so. man. I mean, I've seen, like, bits and pieces of them, and I get the gist of it, but I've never actually, like, sat down and watched them. Oh, my God. I'm and I have so... some time off work, so. So excited for your journey. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> Sam and I are going to watch the second one when, I, when we're done here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, this is really messed up, this what happened here um so there was one patient who was attacked by two other more known to be violent patients um the one patient had wasn't he wasn't violent at all um but he was attacked by two other violent patients and they tied a sheet around his neck threw the tail over a pipe and would repeatedly hang him until he passed out then they'd let him come back and do it again that reminds me of BTK. I know. Hey, I've been seeing a lot of things with this lately. I've been watching a lot of Criminal Minds, and like lately, the episodes have like been doing that. They'll like strangle their really victims and let them go, and like bring them back. And it's just like, oh my god, it's so messed up. That is literally so fucking just like vile and evil yeah. and awful. But anyway, so this patient, um, he he fought back. 
and good but the other two did not like it so they took the leg of a bed and put it on his head mm. one of them held him down and the other one jumped on the bed until it went through his head yeah so that's real messed up yeah and obviously he did not live to see another day after that i would hope not yeah at that point it's just like death is like i don't know like a a blessing a blessing <laughs> no i agree like it's uh, like you would want that it's so sad especially because like the guy wasn't violent he didn't he didn't i mean not that anybody deserves that but no he did i'm not sure there were it. so many people there that like weren't actually needing to be there and just like normal or depressed you know like any amount yeah. of things like i wish that we had that like list of like reasons that people were admitted into mental hospitals I know. we should post that but um i'm sure like he was probably just someone who was like no i mean i don't know well i'm gonna get back to him in a minute his name is dean and i'm kind of gonna tell you like what was wrong with him okay okay um so we're gonna get into the ghosts now yes so people have they allow people to come in for like tours and stuff now um it's owned by this woman michelle and she will do like overnight stays i don't know if it's like a group thing or like i would totally do it i would never well that's the difference between you and i (laughs) well i would do it like if someone held my hand i'll hold your hand okay um we have to do cool things now because we have a podcast i know like we need to do ghost tours and like start a youtube and like all this other shit um email us and tell us if you want us to start a youtube (laughs) tweet me so that is something that we are going to do eventually. That's something that my friend Michaela told us that we should do, and we will. We're working on it. Um, so, yeah, people have seen full-body apparitions. Doors will simultaneously slam shut. Uh, people will feel like they're being watched and followed. That is the worst. Oh, I know. That is so, like, I will take a door slamming all day, but if I feel like someone's watching me from, like, the shadows... Hell no. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's the things that I can see and hear oh, that freak me out. Me. Um, but some people have reported feeling like they're being strangled. <gasps> yeah. So, one ghost that is known to roam the asylum, her name is Lily. Um, she was the daughter of a patient named Gladys Ravenfield. After Lily was born, the asylum basically took Lily... And cared for her while her mother slowly deteriorated. Because, again, the living situation was just garbage and she wasn't being treated properly. So her mental health just... Yeah. Gone. Mm -hmm. So Lily was believed to be a child of rape. Um, She was never adopted. I... This part kind of confused me. I don't know if it was that she was never put up for adoption or if that she just was never adopted. Um, But eventually she became a patient herself. Aww, um, she, I'm... she died really young. I don't know how old she was when she died. I couldn't find that, but she, I'm assuming she was like a child, um, because she now wanders the asylum 
Um, she's known to pull on people's clothes. She like moves toys that are left for her and will steal candy if it's left out. Oh, yeah. She, a she's poor nice. baby. Yeah, she's a nice one. Um, so our next ghost, her name is Ruth. She is not as nice. Um, she does not like men. She typically targets them. She pokes and pulls at them, but also has been known to shove them against a wall. Can we blame her? Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <clears throat> so I don't. I couldn't find the name of this ghost, but it it said that in Ward Two, um, a patient was stabbed seventeen times and left for dead, and people can hear him screaming in the hallway. Oh my! They're like screaming down there now for That's... help, and people think that he's still like running away from whoever like killed him. Oh my god! Can you imagine like that's your like loop in the afterlife? Yeah, that sucks. That's really sad. Like reliving how you died. Yeah. Um. The next one is Elizabeth. She is a nurse, or she. I'm sorry, she was a nurse. She's mostly heard by the nurses' station, and she is known to open and close doors. Mm-hmm. And. So now we're going to go back to Dean. He was the one with the with the bed post. The bed. That um, whole thing. Yeah. So he haunts the room that he was killed in. He, I only saw one thing on this, so I'm not entirely sure how true it is, but he was believed to have been a mute. Um, oh my God, that makes it so much worse. I know. He, so he was believed to have been a mute and he was very like childlike. He liked to play with toys. So that, I think, is probably what his mental... Oh. He probably had some... Yeah. Okay. Know. Oh, my God. Um, people say his ghost is friendly, which, thank God. Yeah. Um, and then in one of the documentaries that I watched, they actually pulled out a paper mache mask, which was made by one of the people who killed him. Um, and before they pulled that out, they were talking to who they suspected to be Dean, on a REM pod, which is kind of like a spirit box, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so they pulled out the mask, and Dean had stopped interacting with them over the REM pod. Oh, no. But then when they took it away, he came back. <gasps> oh, my God. He was probably scared. I know. That's what they... Like, they were, like, talking about. They're like, we feel like we just scared you, so we're going to take this away. Oh, my like, God. Why would you think yeah, that why would? Yeah, why would why would you even bring it out right especially if he is like has like childlike tendencies like why would you think that he wants to see that yeah literally it's um, fucked up yeah so the woman who actually owns the asylum her name is michelle i think i mentioned that earlier um but she believes that there's actually a portal in the building that allows things to enter hell yeah i believe it so that's that was just interesting oh excuse me in the wing where the criminally insane patients were held, people have been scratched. And then I don't know how much I believe this because I feel like I would have seen it on TV or something if it were the case. But apparently there was like a ghost hunting thing that they did. Mm-hmm. And whoever was doing it caught what the asylum calls the creeper. <gasps> on camera don't like that which was a white figure on all fours just crawling around <gasps> oh no i, so, hate, it. That I was, hate it that was creepy but i feel like i don't know again i feel like i would have like 
seen something on that. And I couldn't, that, I only saw it on one thing, and it was where this kid was, like, going through, like, he was doing one of, like, the overnight stay things, mm-hmm. and a tour guide was with him, and he, he was the one who, like, said that. So, that I don't know. I don't know. fucked up. Yeah. That's a literally nightmare fuel. No fucking thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, that is the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. <sighs> and, yeah, it's... I hate it. it. It's so sad. It was, like, so promising in the beginning. I know. Like, they... I had high hopes for it, but... Jesus. Short-lived. But, um. yeah. So, uh, next week, Alicia, I'm gonna have you do a haunting. <gasps> back to back. Next week, Tay! I'm going to have you do a cold case. We're just flip-flopping this week. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of fish flops? Yeah. <laughs> they're the they're like the slides that look like fish, right? Yes. Yeah. That just came to mind. Fish flop. We're going to fish flop in our fish. We're going to flip-flop in our fish flops. <laughs> even though we don't have fish, fish flops. <laughs> My mouth is all tied up. <laughs> Um, anyway, Tay, where can the people find us for the fifth time? <laughs> it's actually like the eighth time. Um, You're welcome. But the people can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. You can send us your stories and email us at creepyweegeepod at gmail.com. Also, I don't know that we've put emphasis on this yet, but leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Oh my god. Leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts and we'll be like a simp for you for fucking life. <laughs> Alicia speaks for herself and not both. I will simp for you for fucking life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, but like, really do it. Like, do it. Just fucking do it. Do it. Um, yeah, email us because like it brings us so much joy. And just like, even like interacting with you guys on Instagram, like, my heart feels so full. If you want to see more bad art. Uh, centered around murderers and uh, cryptids and shit. Follow our Instagram. Tell your parents to follow our Instagram. Tell your brother. Tell your sister. Tell your coworkers. Especially tell your coworkers. You yeah. know they're fucking weird too. Right. Just get into a weird little group and like listen to our podcast and then email us collectively. You can all type one word at a time. Send it. It'll be great. <laughs> That's what I wish for you. <laughs> Okay, well, okay, bye. I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, catch y'all on the flippity flip. Bye.